Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. All right, well, as you can probably see, we got a little bit of a new series that we're starting up today. It's called Relationship Goals. Um, And I wonder if you've ever done something totally on accident, and it worked out perfectly well. Like maybe you were throwing something one day, you didn't even mean to throw it anywhere in particular, and it hit like a perfect spot, and you're like, oh yeah. Uh, this week, uh, my nephew was at my house, and my, my sister was at my house, and my nephew tried throwing something like, I don't know, a shirt or a towel or something towards my sister. And it didn't get all the way to my sister, and it actually it hit an, a, an open water bottle that was sitting on a coffee table right in front of her. I don't like messes. And so right away I was like, oh no. I mean, it's water, you guys. That's really dangerous, right? Um, But it hit the water bottle and no light. Like it came off and it looked, I don't know if it did a flip, but it looked like it was going all over the place. And it came and it landed right on the ground perfectly, no water spilled. And you know how everybody reacts when stuff like that happens? My sister looks down, she like looks down at the ground, she goes, oh! Like somebody just landed on the moon. It was amazing. And when I do things like that where, where somebody's like, did you really mean to do that? I usually respond with a, of course, how else do you think it turned out so awesome? That's the way I react to situations like that. Well, I got a quick video here that I'm going to show you. And I'm not going to preface it with much except to say this. What I want you to do is, I showed this about four years ago. This is my little daughter. Um, I want you just to make sure you keep your eyes focused on the staircase in the background, okay? All right, go ahead. Name four foods that are in your fridge right now. No peeking. Um, foods. Apple, orange. Oh, she's falling down. Orange. Oh, she's falling down. Guys, don't worry. Not a child was harmed in the making of that video. All right? So she could try running towards those stairs a thousand times. And never have the having. She actually has fallen down the stairs again. She fell down. She hit her head into the wall on the bottom of the stairs, made a dent, and walked up and was like, I'm good. The kid is like a bionic child or something. I don't know. It's amazing. Uh, if I did that, I would die. Like, there's just no way around it. I would not unintentionally do the awesomest cartwheel going down a flight of stairs that's ever been done. But my daughter unintentionally did that. Now, great things in life usually don't happen unintentionally like that, right? Like we have to try, we have to work at things to be great at things. Um, now, I've always hated pull-ups. I don't know about you guys, but I can't stand, now I'm not talking about like the baby diaper. I'm talking doing physical pull-ups. Don't like it. it. I know it doesn't look like it, but I don't have much upper body strength, okay? Very, very little. So like the most I've ever done before is like one pull-up, maybe two, with some help. Um, I don't like them. Well, there was this kid, he was a, a junior in high school, like back in 2016, a kid named Andrew Shapiro. And he decided, I want to break world records in pull-ups. There's a lot of things I'd rather break world records in. But he decided pull-ups. And so he was practicing and working on it and and getting tough. And what he did was kind of crazy. He wanted to get the 24-hour world record for pull-ups. At six hours, he had the six-hour world record at 3,515 pull-ups. At 12 hours, he got the 12-hour record of 5,742 pull-ups. Then the 24-hour record at that time was 6,800 pull-ups. 
He beat that at the 15-hour mark, and he kept going. He stopped at 18 hours with just over 7,300 pull-ups. Now, since then, I think it's been broken by a guy who was an ex-Navy SEAL. But this is a junior in high school that did this. This dude had to become comfortable with calluses and cuts on his hand. He had to become comfortable with muscles that were aching. He actually would sit, not sit, he'd be doing pull-ups. He'd be doing pull-ups in his house, trying to do 10 every minute for over six hours long to build up stamina. And he said that he would watch movies during that. I'm telling you, there is not a good enough movie to get me to do that. I love the Rocky tri- like trilogy. It's like a, 12 of them or something. I love the Rocky movies. I don't love them enough to do pull-ups watching them all day long. This kid was crazy to me. He became friends with discomfort. And he became intentional with what he was doing. And the thing about intentionality You can get better at anything, but you can't get better at everything. There's just not enough time in the day to get better at everything. And so this kid chose one thing, pull-ups. And he was so intentional about it that he actually didn't play baseball in his junior year of high school just so that he could train to break this world record. That is a level of focus that I don't think I've ever had on anything in my life, which is why I'm not a world record holder probably, right? But it gets me thinking, what am I being intentional about in life? What am I spending significant amounts of time and energy getting better at? There's a lot of things we get better at. I, I know too well how to get on Netflix, probably, and don't spend enough time on things that matter more. What are we getting better at, actually? Friendship probably is not the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about what are the things that I'm getting better at. You know, as we're starting this series called Relationship Goals, the thing we're going to talk about today is intentional friendship. Am I actually doing things that are helping me to get better at friendship? To be intentional about it. I think one of the questions that comes up is, when when it comes to friendship is, is friendship with others a need or is it just a bonus that comes along once in a while? As an introvert, I'd, I'd be fine sitting in the the corner of my house with my computer or a book and just kind of like not being around people for long stretches of time. Extroverts are like, I need people around all the time. But here's the thing. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, the chances are you don't always feel comfortable with the thing that it takes, the intentionality it takes to actually grow a real relationship with someone. It's difficult. It's time-consuming. Got to be intentional. So the question is this. Am I missing something that's a bigger deal than I realize if I'm missing out on healthy human relationships? Are we all missing out a little bit because we're not as intentional as we should be? And so there's a passage in Matthew chapter 22 uh, I want to look at to kind of begin to answer this question about intentional friendship. And the part of this story comes in where there's a bunch of religious guys that are asking Jesus questions trying to trying to get him to trip up. They're asking him questions about the law, and they want to they confuse him. They want to embarrass him. And so at Matthew 22, it says this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You see, these, these Pharisees, they were trying, again, to embarrass Jesus, to trip him up. They had ideas of what, what the, was important about the law. In fact, they had come up with something like 613 different laws that people were supposed to follow, whether they were in the Old Testament or whether some of them were just kind of made up by people. But they were experts in keeping this law, of abiding by this law. And so they wanted to get Jesus to say something about the law that would maybe make people make mistakes, and then they could accuse him of it. But what happened was Jesus showed that he had such a grasp of the law that he brought the law down into two things that mattered. Love God, love people. Nothing else mattered. And actually, if you, if you abide by those two laws, you're going to always be doing what God wants you to do. If you're loving God and you're loving people, you are, you are going to be okay. And this might be mind-blowing to some Christians, what I'm about to say, but I want you to hear this. While we're called to have a healthy and growing relationship with God, we're called just as strongly to have a healthy and growing relationship with other people. The two are so closely tied that you cannot have one without the other, and you have to have one to have the other. Sometimes that's not what we like to hear. We're like, well, I love God so much, and, but you, you treat people like a jerk. <laughs> I've been in that case many times before in my life, all right? Truly following after God, it is the both of those things. It's loving God, it's loving people. It's really pretty, pretty much an equal thing. You know, we treat loving our neighbor as more of a suggestion than as a command. Kids do that with us as parents all the time. Kid, you need to brush your teeth. Sounds like a suggestion to me. I'm, I'm going to go to bed and not brush my teeth. And now they've all fallen out or they've all got cavities. There's consequences to, to taking things that should be commands as suggestions. Now, the New Testament, they, it, we have these what are called one another commands in the New Testament. Like, love one another. And there's like 59 of them throughout the New Testament. Some of them are repeated, so there's probably about 30 of them that are original, that are, that are different from each other. 30 one another commands. Here's what some of them sound like. Love one another as I have loved you. Forgive one another. Live in peace with one another. Carry one another's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Accept one another. Encourage one another. Teach one another. Serve one another. Every one of these commands is simply helping us to understand how to love people like Jesus loves. And what we actually did is we, we put together a little bookmark. They're, they're on the table on your way out today. Um, has relationship goals on one side. And on the other side, there's like 15, maybe 16 of these one another verses from the Bible. Here's the thing. If you want all 30 of them, you can do this thing called Google. Google one, uh, one another commands in the Bible, and you're, you're going to see them all, okay? But it's a really great way to help us understand a little bit more how to intentionally be loving people. All these one another commands are us intentionally loving people. But we don't really like these one another commands a lot of the time. In our culture, it just, this is not how we think we're supposed to treat each other. We don't think that we're supposed to really look out for our fellow men. Uh, you have somebody say, be patient. And you're like, why? That person's an idiot. <laughs> you know, be, live in peace with people. Why? Be, 
I don't, I don't feel like I need to. They make me so mad. They deserve exactly what they're going to get. Accept one another. Why should I? They think differently than me, and everything they think is dumb. Now, here's the thing. If you think that everything somebody else thinks is wrong, you're probably more wrong than them most of the time. Just food for thought, okay? But as we've chosen to follow these, to not follow these one another commands, what's happened is we've lost out on a certain amount of friendship that I think God has made us for. We've missed out on friendship. And sadly, because we're not following these love one another commands, we live in a culture that is getting lonelier, it is getting more isolated, and frankly, it's becoming more depressed. A lot of that is because of this connection piece. We are not connected the way that we're meant to be connected. People in our culture are more connected than ever, but less intentional about that connection. We are so connected. You don't believe that. I have literally over 2,000 friends on Facebook. And I say it this way. I have not met 2,000 people who even like me. I guarantee it. I am really connected. I got friends on Facebook in Spain, in Africa, in Argentina. Am I really connected with them? Am I really doing any of these one another commands? Am I carrying the burdens of any of these 2,000 people? Am I devoted to them in love? Am I I encouraging them? My way of encouraging is being sarcastic to people because it's how I feel love, you guys. Am Am I really connected with people or do I just have some connection here and there? We're connected with information. We're connected with people all around the world at our fingertips. And yet, because we're not intentional with our connection, we're still lonely a lot of the time. And so the question that, that I want us to talk about is, what does intentional friendship really look like? And we're going to talk about three things, I think, that, that can help us understand, okay, here's what intentional friendship kind of starts to look like. The first one that I want to talk about is this, putting others before yourself. And this is a basic one. It comes right out of Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Paul says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Now, I don't use the message version a whole lot. Uh, I, I think that it, it, it's a translation that gets kind of long-winded. Um, and actually, you'll see it on, on the Philippians 2, 3 version of the message. It's long-winded, but I love the way that it gets put. It says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Have you ever had a friend who, it seems like every time they talk to you, they need something from you? There's an agenda. Friendship where there's agendas, it's not always a very fun experience. In fact, there's times where I'm about to call somebody that I haven't talked to in a long time because I need something from them, and I pause, and a lot of times I don't make the call. Because honestly, I know what that feels like being on the other end of that. Like, I'm going to wait, I'm going to, I'm going to, Maybe I'll just call him now and I'll say something nice to him and, I'll, I'll, I'll be, and then I'll call him a week from now and tell him what I want. Because there's, there's something about agenda, man. It just doesn't feel good, right? When it feels like somebody is loving you for 
the wrong reasons. Intentional friendship has to be friendship that has no second agenda. Now, you're like, Kellen, you just said there should be no agenda. You said there shouldn't be a second agenda. There is an agenda to love them, to be kind. Like, to take somebody and just decide, I'm going to be a friend to this person because that's what we should do. That's the agenda, to love them. To love the person the way Paul talks about, without pushing yourself to the front, putting yourself aside, look, not looking for, to your own advantage, to lending a helping hand. Now, as a follower of Jesus, I think sometimes we do have a second agenda, or maybe it's the first agenda. We want to see people get saved. We want to bring people to Jesus. Now, that's not a bad thing. Everybody needs Jesus. I saw a shirt of a guy at the store the other day. He's like, y'all need Jesus. I was like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Good job. Um, but sometimes I think we make the agenda first that somebody needs Jesus, and then second, that maybe they need my friendship. It, honestly, a lot of times it comes off like you're a bad car, car salesman. Like there's something that feels gross about it. Am I friends with people so that I can tell them about Jesus? Or do I look for a moment to tell someone about Jesus because I'm friends with them already? Do you trust that God will open doors as you step into friendship? Honestly, I think friendship is better without agendas. You love people the way that Jesus calls you to love people. I believe God opens the doors. It happened this last week. I was, I was at track practice and a kid started asking me about my job. I'm like, I'm a pastor. He's like, no, really, what do you do for like, what do you do? I'm like, that's what I do, dude. And I explained it to him. But then we had a cool conversation about, uh, about agnosticism or atheism. And honestly, just trying to help the kid go from a zero on the spiritual scale to maybe a one. Maybe he starts to think maybe there is a God that exists. God opens doors. We don't have to push through those doors with agendas. Our job is to love people without agendas. Our job is to put them above ourselves at all times. And God will open doors for us. Are you intentionally loving people by putting them first and giving up your own desires? All right, so what else does intentional friendship look like? The second thing is this. It looks like developing an increased capacity to love. Now, I want to be honest with you. This this part of, of the message, this is the part that probably as I was working on it this week, it, it, it stuck in me the most. This in, idea of an increased capacity to love. Because I'll be honest with you, it is hard in our, in our culture to develop an increased capacity to love. I've, I, I look at the news or I even, I, you go on Twitter and I'm like, I kind of hate the world. My, every time I open up the computer, it's like my capacity to love is decreasing. There are people who are hard to love. Sometimes it's in our own family. Sometimes it's somebody in this room, in, in your own church. But 1 John 4 says this, We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. I'm going to tell you what, that verse is always a little scary, right? <laughs> For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. After hearing that, it makes me think of the, the guy, Jesus comes to a guy and he's like, hey, who, who should I love? And he's like, love your neighbor as yourself. And he goes, well, who's my neighbor? And in this situation, I think people would be asking John the same question. Okay, who's my brother and sister? I don't think John is talking about, you know, a biological thing, brother and sister. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even think that, that John is really probably talking about just brother and sister in Christ in a church. I think John is just talking about 
the human thing of being brothers and sisters. We are all brothers and sisters. He's telling us that we are called, if you can't love people that you can see, how can you love God who you can't see? The person you're called to love intentionally is not just always a person that's close to you. Sometimes it's a person at work. Sometimes it's a person that you walk, you walk by when you're walking down the street and they look like they're in need. Sometimes it's the person who just cuts you off on the road and you're mad at them. Intentional friendships requires an increasing capacity in you to love other people, especially people that are different from you, all kinds of people. It means loving people who look differently than you. It means loving people who think differently than you. And we see that actually in the friends of Jesus. Jesus' closest 12 friends, his disciples, they all had a a wider range of different occupations in different places that they came from. You got a number of them were fishermen. You had at least one that was a tax collector. You had one who was a thief. Uh, I don't know if everybody knew he was a thief at the time. You got one who was a zealot. Somebody that was most likely a, a, a rebellious political figure trying to overthrow the, the Roman government, at, at least at some point. And the differences amongst that group did not become a reason for Jesus not to actually love those people. It actually, it actually made his love for them all the more beautiful. When we love in a diverse kind of way, it makes our love more beautiful. It makes our love more awesome, more Jesus-like. Are you only looking for people like you to enter into friendship with? Are you only being intentional with people that it's kind of easy to be intentional with because they don't seem much different from me? I'm telling you, we're going to miss out on friendship if that's the only kind of people we become intentional with. But I want to be honest with you about something. There are days when I'm looking at the world around me And I look at people whom I disagree with. And I see the extremes in the culture getting more and more severe. And it feels like I'm struggling with a decreased capacity to love other people. I don't know if that feels like you. I'm guessing that feels like you. That is the world we live in. You can't wake up in this this world right now and be like, man, it's just easy to love people. It is work. It is a thing of intentionality. We're not going to love people well without intentionality. Intentional friendship determines that a a decreased capacity to love in my heart is not going to be okay. Intentional friendship says that when I'm feeling that decreased capacity to love, that's the time that I have to reach out to God and I have to ask God, okay, God, now I need your help. I think one fruit that has to be Growing inside of us, if we are followers of Jesus, is this increased capacity to love other people. It is a fruit that, I'm sorry, but it is a must. If we are only growing in our relationship with Jesus and our love for Jesus, but not for people, guess what? Your love for Jesus probably isn't grown as much as you think it is. They, they go together. But again, I'll say this. I cannot love people more on my own. <laughs> They're just like me, and I know what I'm like. I need God's help to actually be able to love people well. I have to ask God for a thing called empathy so that I can step into somebody else's shoes and actually see what their life is like. And when I see what their life is like and I, and I, I understand them, now it opens the door that, okay, now I get, I get how I can love this person. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, even empathy doesn't get us to the place of loving somebody better. 
sometimes I have to go to the place of compassion and grace. I have to say, God, will you show me how awful I am and how much you've had to have compassion and grace on me so that it will open my heart to have that same thing for somebody else? I am not going to grow my capacity to love other people by myself. It takes intentionality. Intention, intentionality to not be okay with struggling to love other people. When I wake up and I am in an all-out struggle to love people that day, I need to ask God to help. <laughs> it's not okay to be in that place. And honestly, I don't think we're going to love God very well when we're in that place. So intentional friendship looks like putting others before ourselves. It looks like developing this increased capacity to love people. But then there's a third thing. What does intentional friendship look like? Stepping outside your comfort zone. We all have our comfort zones, and it is really hard to love people entrenched in that comfort zone. First Timothy, or 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I'm telling you, we get scared to venture outside our comfort zones. In relationship with other people, it is, it is terrifying sometimes. I talk to kids as a, as a youth pastor. I talk to kids. I'm like, hey, why don't you come to youth group and check it out? And it's fear sometimes. Like, I don't want, I, I don't feel comfortable. I'm not going to step outside that comfort zone for some intentional friendship, Kellen. They don't use those words. But, but we do the same thing as adults. I don't know, the central men thing that's happening tomorrow night, I, that feels a little bit outside my comfort zone. I don't, I don't think I really want to do that, Kellen, and possibly create some relationship. People in our culture are slowly losing their ability to actually befriend other people. It goes back to this thing that we are connected, but we are not making intentional connection. You watch it with, with kids. Man, kids will be texting their friends all night long, texting, 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 and then put them in the same room and sit them down next to each other. And they won't say a word to each other, and they will find somebody else on their phone to text. You think I'm wrong? Go and step in an elevator all day long and just stand in the elevator and see what happens. People will come in that elevator, and the first thing, they'll see somebody else that you're in the elevator, and they'll be like, oh, no. I just wanted to be alone in the elevator, man. You say, hey, how, how's the weather out there? I've been in the elevator all day. And they just hit the, the buzzer right away, the alarm bell. I got to get out of here. Like, people don't want to be in an elevator and talking to people. There's icon. You know it. You, you literally are you're going down the elevator, and it's, it gets to two, and you're like, yes, I'm going to make it all the way down to one. And it stops at two, and you're like, oh. You're like, okay, I got to get out the phone and pretend like I'm on my phone right now. Because I don't want to talk to people. We are really good at staying in our comfort zones, relationally. Here's a question that almost hurts me to say out loud because my guiltometer goes through the roof. Do you think Jesus would play on his phone and ignore people in the room with him the way that you do? Ugh. Kellen, seriously, why you got to say that? It's uncomfortable. Because our comfort zone has become our phones and the things that keep me from having to reach out and branch out in relationship. Our stretching zone has become relationship has become connection. I run all the time and I hate stretching. I've got like a three minute routine that I stretch and I don't want to go beyond that. I'm fine if I just walk around sore the rest of the day. That's how much I hate stretching. But we have to get to the place where we're willing to stretch ourselves a little bit with intentional re relationship, with intentional friendship, if we're going to be at the place that God has actually called us to be. 
You have to take initiative at some point. We struggle to take initiative when it comes to relationship. Let's be honest about this, about relationship. One thing that relationship is, is it is awkward. Relationship can be super awkward. I've been married to tw- for 20 years to my wife. We dated for five years before that. And there's still moments where I don't know what to say, and I'm like, I feel awkward. Now, I mean, part of the beauty about being married is you can sit down to a meal or you can ride in a car and not talk for a long time and it doesn't feel awkward. But there's still those moments of awkwardness. Relationship can be awkward. It's not always in our comfort zone. Especially those things that is about real relationship. The fun part of relationship is pretty easy most of the time. Andrew can call me up and be like, hey, do you want to go play disc golf? And I'll be like, yes, every time, all day long. The fun stuff is easy. I'm going to be honest with you. He actually called me on Wednesday afternoon. Do you remember how beautiful it was on Wednesday afternoon? I was sitting writing this sermon. And there, all of a sudden, I didn't want to have anything to do with this sermon. He's like, you want to go play some disc golf? I'm like, oh, that would be amazing. Can I tell you guys, I stayed strong. I stayed at my desk and I kept playing. I, kept playing. I actually did the sermon that day. So you can be proud of me for that, okay? Because it's tough to do that when it's something that's fun in a relationship. But what about the vulnerability part? I was on the phone with my good friend Chad this week, and, and I asked if I, could, if I could share this part of this conversation that we had. Um, I don't want you to think that every time you're on the phone with me, I'm going to use it in an illustration, okay? But we're talking, and we're just talking about, about some running stuff. He's kind of training for a 5K type of thing, and, and we're having a blast just talking about running. And then at the end of the conversation, he's like, hey, Kellen, I wonder if you pray for me for something. And then he just ask me to pray for something that he's wanting to, to get better in. And it was, it was just a cool moment. I'll be honest, I probably should have prayed with him right there, uh, but I was in Panera picking up some bagels for my wife. And I, I'll, I'll pray for you later, buddy. Um, but I've been praying for him this week. And can I tell you, though, I gained respect for my friend Chad at that moment. And it wasn't because of the conversation, the fun conversation we were having about, about running, although that's part of what makes up a relationship. What it was was the, him trusting me enough to step out and be a little bit vulnerable. There are times where I don't want to step out and be vulnerable with people. But every time that I step out and become vulnerable with people, 100% of the time, I look back and I'm like, that was the right thing to do. There was something right about that. God calls us into connection with people. We've got to start learning to... We've got to start learning to embrace some amount of awkward if we're going to develop relationships that create true connection. Embrace the awkward. When you're out on the golf course with a friend, are you going to actually ask him something that could create some vulnerability? Or are you going to step out yourself and say something that's a little bit vulnerable? When you're at church and somebody's talking to you and it's starting to get a little bit real, are you going to stay there and keep the conversation going? Or are you going to go and figure out who you want to say hi to because you're getting uncomfortable? If you're, if you're a kid and you're, you're at school and you know that you've got a friend and she's kind of struggling and she's hurting that day, are you going to give her the undivided attention, the, the, the phoneless attention of looking at her and letting her know that what she has to say right now matters? Part of the reason that we're not vulnerable with people is because we don't give people the time of day because of all the things around us. And so they don't think that they can be vulnerable with us. But we need connection. God created us for connection. When he created Adam in the garden, he looked at Adam and he's like, it's not good yet. 
And so he created Eve as well so that he could have connection with Eve. And that's when he said it's good. God made us for connection. Jesus showed us all about connection throughout his life. He loved people more than himself. In fact, the whole reason he went to the cross was actually so that he could bring us connection back to God that had been disconnected because of our sin. Jesus is all about connection. Connecting us more than anything what God wants is for us to be connected to him and then connected to people. Here's the thing. I don't think that they're very far apart from each other and how he, he wants it to happen. We, we think being connected to God is most important and the, the people thing isn't as big a deal. It is. I really think it is. There are a lot of people coming to church who aren't really connected or who don't really get to know people at church. And there's people that are hurting for that relationship. Here's something else, though. In our culture, just coming into a church, we are so not good with connections sometimes that even just coming in and being able to worship with other people, people are able to leave and they feel connected. And that's great. I hope that you feel connected like that. But there is, a, there is more connection than just being in the same room worshiping together. There is the connection of vulnerability that has to happen at some point. It doesn't happen, have to happen with everybody in the room. That would be a weird church service. But connection has to happen. If our relationship with God is going to be everything that it could be, connection with people matters. What does your connection with people look like right now? Are you putting others first? Does your capacity to love others, does it need to expand a little bit? Have you been going outside your comfort zone to build relationship with people? I really believe if we want connection with God that feels whole, we also have to have connection with people that is right. When I'm not connected with my family members the way that I'm supposed to be, my relationship with God is obviously struggling. Is there some part of this, this intentional friendship that we've been talking about today? Is there some part of it that needs improvement in your life? Where you need to ask God, okay, God, I, I need you to help me in this area. I know for me, it's that capacity to love. God, my capacity to love is not what I want it to be. It goes down some days, and I want you to build it up. Help me. So as we close today, I want, I want you to just ask God, okay, what are these areas? How are, God, how are you wanting me to be more intentional? What can I do? How do you want to grow me so that I can have a relationship that matters and that maybe even helps my relationship with you be stronger? Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.